First Kings chapter two says this, now the days of David drew near that he should die. And he charged Solomon, his son, meaning he's giving him just his final words. That's called a charge of final words to his son. Saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. Now, that's how he leads. He's going to say some other things here, but I think that's significant. He, um, in the last chapter, 1 Kings chapter uh, 1, we saw that uh, notwithstanding the fact that David had uh, appointed Solomon as king to succeed him, another one of his sons tried to rebel and take over. That was quickly... Um, put down that rebellion and Solomon's reign was established. And here we have uh, David just about to breathe his last here. Um, we're we're going to see that in the, the chapter tonight, but he gets his son um, bef before him. And uh, this is a, this is just such a, uh, this is a powerful, distinct, momentous, situation, occasion that we're reading about, David handing over uh, the reign to, to Solomon. Remember, um, Israel had started about 100 years before under Saul, um, 80 to 100 years under Saul. Saul was not the king that God wanted. Uh, but the Israelites, the children of Israel, uh, were crying out, for a God, for a king like all the other nations had, a, a king with lots of charisma, with lots of uh, who was handsome, who was physically uh, his his physical stature was like that of a king of the surrounding nations. So uh, he gave them Saul, and he told them before he gave him Saul, "I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. And this guy's going to make yourself miserable." Those weren't his exact words, but. Um, he did. Saul was very handsome. He was a head taller. It probably means a foot taller than most other men in the country. He had a lot of charisma. Um, but uh, what the Lord was doing, as he so often does, he says, okay, this is what you're screaming and shouting for. That, that you know, the expression, be careful what you pray for. He gave them what they, gave them what they, were, what they, were, what they were asking. found out that it was misery. David, however, was established as the Lord's choice, the beginning of the messianic, uh, the messianic reign of kings, which would end in the king of kings when uh, he came into the world in Bethlehem. And then what we eagerly await where Jesus returned, where he is physically reigning on earth. But um, David uh, here, uh, clearly this is... Um, Israel was the most important nation who ever lived, and this was the most important reign uh, 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 that, that ever existed uh, in, in all the history of the world. And so David uh, handing off to his son, it's a big deal. Notice how he says, listen, um, I go the way of all the earth. I'm going to die. But you be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. Now, I... 
you know, in this day and age, particularly in the city in, in, in Boston, even saying a term like that will get you in a lot of trouble. And I tell you, I got, I got scars on me uh, from uh, teaching the word of God is simply that there's a, God has a different design for man and woman, for husband and wife. We've taught that faithfully um, at Calvary Chapel to the, by the grace of God and to the extent that we can. And, and man, not everyone has, has liked it. And, uh, but it is so important. There's nothing more beautiful uh, than a family in a church where uh, man is living by his design. Woman is living by her design. Neither of them are better than the other, but they get it. And just such, such wonderful fruit. And why is it important? Because why it's exceedingly important because the Bible says that the relationship between man and woman, husband and wife, um, is a representation of the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church, between Jesus Christ and you. That's why I would be abdicating, I would be uh, forfeiting, I would be um, not doing my job as a pastor if I didn't talk about this from time to time. So what does he mean? Prove yourself a man. Well, um, I, I think a number of things here. Uh, number one, first of all, he's going to charge him here um, to be a... Uh, to follow all the commandments of the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, women don't follow all the commandments of the Lord, but in terms of leadership, it shouldn't be the, uh, uh, the wife, for example, in a home who takes the lead obeying all the commandments of the Lord. No, that should be the man. And, and that is what's going to lead to a family children, kids, which is healthy and, and life being reproduced in, in, in the family. Uh, but when, one of the things that I think may have been on his mind uh, when he said this, prove yourself a man, I think he may have had on his mind when Saul, when the king Saul died, he had one son, his name was Ishbosheth, and um he was exceedingly lacking in courage. He had this, a spine of jelly. And what happened was um, Saul's main commander, a, a guy by the name of Abner, basically he became the leader of the country. Uh, Ishbosheth was such a weak guy. He, he would want to do this. Abner says, no, 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 none of that. We're doing this. Uh, and, and basically Ishbosheth, and everyone knew this was bullied by his by his general, and um, it had a it had, it had a a really tragic ending there. Um, Ishbosheth uh, eventually being murdered as well, Abner. But um, I think David uh, knows that he's leaving his uh, the kingdom to so Solomon. Solomon is um, he's really young now. Uh, 16, 18, something like that. And David knows that when he dies, there's gonna there's some really tough dudes out there, including Joab, more on him uh, a little later, but uh, that uh, they were Abner-like. Uh, 
they would come in and try to bully the king if Solomon did not uh, himself uh, lead strongly. And so he's really telling him, you need to lead courageously here. And, um, and, uh, uh, you know, as I was, I was thinking about this charge, when David became king, David was a mighty warrior. There was no warrior greater than David. He took down Goliath. He, um, Saul asked him, hey, if you want my uh, if you want one of my daughters, go get a hundred uh, foreskins from the Philistines. David went to the Philistines and got 200. I, th that dude, David, in his younger years, uh, <laughs> he would have made the top 100 list in the history of the world in terms of soldiers. I mean, uh, but Solomon was not like that. Uh, there was a time of peace. He grew up in peace. He was not a man of war. It is not require uh, having played in the NFL or tackle football or served in the army to be a strong and fearless leader. Absolutely not. Uh, uh, what, what is required is a strong faith in the living God uh, who, it, man, when we let him lead the way, he clears us out. He clears out things before us. And, and really, that's what it's about. He knows he's not a physical warrior. David knows Solomon is not, but he knows that David, that Solomon has been grown up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Solomon knows the word of God. Let me tell you, men, when you know the word of God, there's no excuse. You can lead a fear, a, a fearless and courageous life uh, in Christ. And, uh, it's not at all that women don't have the capacity um, to, to, to lead fearlessly. Uh, you know, it, it's been said um, mo most things, including leading, women can do as good or even better. But the question is design in the, the will of God. What, how does uh, uh, God want you, um, uh, how does God want a home or how does God want a church to be run? Again, there's that representation of Christ in the church. He wants people to see a family, see a church. Um, I, I say family and church because I really do think a lot of this does not necessarily apply to the, to the secular realm. But in, 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 in a family and the church, uh, he wants people walking into the church, seeing um, in operations, families and churches with leadership where uh, it's a representation of how, the beauty of how Christ operates with the church, about how Christ operates with you. And so he's, he's telling him, prove yourself a man. And, and guess what? I love that. I love that. And I'm sure there's a Bible translation out there that's probably changed the word man and turned it. Unfortunately, this is the, the there's Bible translations that are neuterizing um, the, uh, the Bible and saying things like, you know, uh, prove yourself a, a, a strong person, but, but no, we don't do that at Calvary Chapel. Uh, this is what, what he said, prove yourself a man, verse three, and keep the charge of the Lord, your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, 
and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. This is David on his deathbed, talking to his son, giving him a charge. Verse four, he continues, that the Lord may fulfill his word, which he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. So David uh, was promised as, as long as um, your sons are following the Lord's, your progeny, I should say, your sons, your descendants, your sons, 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 that type of thing. Um, you shall not, not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Uh, moreover, you know also that what Joab, the son of Zariah, did to me. So he's going to give him a few housekeeping details here on his deathbed. Uh, there's a few things he's, he wants um, Solomon to take care of, which are more practical in nature. He, he, he starts with the, the broad spiritual admonition, follow the Lord. And then um, he gets into the, into the practical. Actually, before I get to verse five, the practical, you know, I, you're going to see here uh, his, his, to, to me, verse three and four are uh, particularly verse three is, is so important. So, he says, Solomon, keep charge of the Lord, your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgment and his testimony so that you may prosper. Uh, notice he, what he doesn't do. Notice he doesn't say, you know, make sure you build up the army so that Israel is well protected. Uh, make sure that you uh, that 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 you tax the trade and commerce, and and that you have uh, you accumulate uh, vast farmlands because uh, your your family is going to need um, wealth in order to prosper and be good. Uh, notice he doesn't say, uh, make sure and try to have as many friends as pop possible and be as popular with uh, as many people, because that's going to make you very happy. It's none of that. Uh, it, it, it's none of that. He, he's, he, tells them, he tells him, follow the Lord. Uh, and, and I got to tell you, I mean, I, I, I'm not old yet, I'm not, but I'm not young either. I'm, I'm 57. And I got to tell you, there's only one thing on my mind as I, um, as I march toward the day that I die, which may not be for 30 or 40 years. But uh, in terms of my kids, one thing, I want them serving the Lord. I want them serving the Lord. Uh, and I want them serving him uh, not for gain, not because they'll get something out of it, not because, oh, if they serve the Lord, then surely they'll have jobs and good families and all this other stuff. No, I want them serving the Lord just for the Lord himself. I want them serving God because they want God. God is so much better than anything else that we could ever get on planet Earth. I, I, that's what I want from my kids. 
And so here we have Jesus is called what? The son of David. David was the first in the messianic line. And what does David say on his deathbed? Solomon, follow God. Follow God. Calvary Chapel parents, that's what you want more than anything else. Uh, more than you, your kids getting into a good career, being powerful someday, making money so they can support you in your old age. Hey, listen. Seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33, Jesus says. And all that stuff is going to be added unto you. Your preoccupation, parents, needs to be that your kids serve God for God's sake, for no other reason than he's God. And, and he is our joy. He is our portion. He is our peace. And, and so um, David knows this. He's already experienced this. He's had Everything. He's had the wine, the women. He's, I don't know, he had lots of wives. Solomon's going to outdo him by literally hundreds, but he had money, power, influence, everyone. But they, you read any of those Psalms, Psalm 63, God, I thirst for you like, uh, like in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And David knows what's up. He's at the end of his life. He knows what's up. And so he's telling what's up to his son. So now he's going to bring up, I think, at least three issues here. Yeah, three issues here that uh, he wants uh, Solomon to take care of. The, the first is concerning Joab, Joab the general. Now, if you remember, Joab was the commander of David's armies for many years, but he uh, he went awry several times. He uh, killed two commanders in, 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 in Israel in cold blood. He, uh, against David's orders, um, killed Amasa, uh, the, who David had appointed a uh, commander of, of, of Israel. And, um, and he, he also against his, uh, against his orders, uh, he, uh, killed Absalom. Even though Absalom had rebelled against David, David said, please don't put him to death. Joab said, enough of that. I'm putting him to death. So on his deathbed, he's got some major issues with Joab. And he probably also had some concerns about what Joab might do in terms of a rebellion against Solomon. So he says in verse 5, moreover, you know also what Joab, the son of Zariah, did to me and what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel to Abner, the son of Ner and Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed in cold blood, by the way. And he shed the blood of war in peacetime and put the blood of war on his belt that was uh, around his waist and on his sandals that were on his feet, meaning he's got, he's got bloody hands, this guy. And, um, he need, there needs to be retribution. Verse six, therefore, do according to your wisdom and not let his gray hair go down to the grave in peace. Wow. Okay. So he's basically t telling uh, Solomon, you need to kill this guy. And so uh, one thing, just as an aside that I find is very interesting to me, is that at the very beginning of David's reign, when Saul had been killed, uh, David uh, appointed, uh, as I mentioned earlier, 
Saul's general, his his commander Abner, to be king of all. I uh, mean, to be the commander of all the armies of Israel, rather than Job. Job goes and kills Abner, and David basically throws a, a, a funeral and does tremendous a eulogy for the guy, mourns fast, commands the whole country to fast. And a skeptic at the time might have said, oh, he's only doing this. He's only mourning because Abner is dead because politically it's the right thing to do. But David, oh, come on, David in his own heart knows that this guy, Abner, could be a traitor. He was, after all, he was Saul's commander who was uh, trying to kill David for years and years and years, trying to fight David. And, um, and, and not only that, there's many in Israel who probably still like Saul or probably still devoted to Saul. And so David's probably just putting on a big show to show everyone that he had nothing to do with the murder of Abner. And that was only Joab's fault that he did so. Well, here you learn it's clearly not the case. Uh, David was a man after God's own heart. And he's literally telling Sol Solomon 40 years, uh, it would have been, uh, 33 years later, he's literally telling Solomon, you need to, there needs to be justice for Abner who was put to death. And, and, and so you need to put uh, Joab to death, please. And so uh, David, again, a righteous king, every king after him is going to judge, be judged by uh, his righteousness. And so uh, Joab is number one and Solomon's going to, is going to take out Joab, and, and, and we'll read about that. Verse 7, very, very different, but show kindness to the sons of Barzillai the Gileadite. Now, Barzillai the Gileadite was the man who was very, very wealthy, who lived by the Jordan River on the uh, west side, and David was fleeing Absalom. David's army was a small fraction the size of Absalom's army. I'm sure everyone in the country, most people in the country would have been terrified to align themselves with David at that time. Because if they did, well, surely Absalom with the size of his army is going to defeat David. And then I'm going to get killed if Absalom finds out that I uh, aligned with David, not Barzillai. Barzillai was a righteous man. And in spite of the obvious, uh, in spite of what appeared to be his own personal death, supporting David, he supports him anyway. Why? Because he was a man of God. Calvary Chapel, you got to understand, no, but no matter what the consequences that it looks like in front of you, for aligning yourself with God, you got to do it. Even if it is your death, you got to do it. He's your God. He's, but, but, but the important thing to understand, he's also bigger than these circumstances that you're facing. So um, Barzillai was a follower of God. He knew that God was a lot bigger than the size of Absalom and his army, which was vastly outnumbered David. He knew that. He knew his God. When we know our God, when you know our God, you can proceed forward by faith and do the right thing. 
And, and it was just the right thing to support David. David had done nothing wrong. He was the a rightful king. But so what did Barzillai do? He greets David's small little army and just loads it on. There were figs. I, I remember that. I can't, I don't have the chapter in front of me. There's lots of figs and cakes. And there was, um, they provided uh, food and drink and, and everything they needed. Uh, cakes, that's right. I think their Barzillai supplied cakes uh, to them. And uh, they nourished the army. Now, I tell you, uh, from David's perspective, he was looking at this guy saying, why is this guy doing this? He has everything to lose, nothing to gain by helping me. But once um, God defeated Absalom's army and David is back in power, David's like, you need to take care of this guy's sons. Barzillai was real old at the time. So he says, you need to take care of this guy's sons. What, the, what this guy did to me, for me, has, has stayed with me. And it was one of the most wonderful gestures of love and commitment anyone has ever made to me in my life. And so he says, whatever you do, take care of the sons of Barzillai. Uh, and if you weren't with us when we read that, you may want to go back and read that story. Verse 8. Now, here's a, here's a character uh, quite the opposite of Barzillai. Uh, Shimei. Now, Shimei is uh, a, one of the true scoundrels uh, in the Bible. And ironically, exactly the opposite of what Barzillai did. Uh, that's what Shimei did. If you remember, David was fleeing. Uh, Jerusalem, because Absalom had come into uh, was coming into uh, Jerusalem and actually was in Jerusalem. He's and he's fleeing a certain attack from Absalom's army, and he's walking away from um, Jerusalem. And this guy Shimei appears, starts throwing rocks at David, cursing him, telling him that he is um, a worthless rogue. Uh, insulting him in the worst way and kicking up sand and doing the stuff they did uh, 3,000 years ago to, to, to insult someone. And what happened? David's uh, general, I think that was Abishai, right? Says, hey, David, can I have permission to go cut this guy's head off? Why should we be allowing this guy to do it? What did David say? I thought it was it, uh, you know, I, I thought what David said is, is, is one of the most um, practical examples to the body of Christ that you can see in the Old Testament. He said, no, no, cut off his head. It could be that God has told him to curse me and that... Um, and that God is wanting to humble me at this time, which God was, by the way. God was humbling David. And he told his general Abishai, no, this guy's just being used by the Lord to humble me. So let him alone. And if I am able to walk in humility and not retaliate against this guy who is insulting me and throwing rocks at me, in the end, God will reward me. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, Calvary Chapel, I I've been thinking about uh, Abishai this week. I mean, it it's 
it's such a valuable lesson what happened um, in Second Samuel with Abishai and David. And it, it's really one of the high points um, of David's life um, to see him acting with that kind of humility. Such a wonderful example. And ultimately, Christ uh, fulfilled it, fulfilled the example, of course, to uh, the whatever millionth power uh, exponentially uh, by doing the same thing that when Christ was cursed, when he was whipped, when he was uh, crucified, he did not return the insult. It says in First Peter that when Christ was reviled, he reviled not, but gave himself to him who judges justly. And so um, here you have a, there you have a foreshadowing of that. But now here something happens where David basically says to, to Solomon, look, you know what this guy did to me. Take him out too, eventually. And, and uh, I have a comment on that. But let's, let's, um, let's first read it. Verse 8. And see, remember he's speaking to Solomon, you have with you Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamite from Barahim, who cursed me with a malicious curse in the day when I went to Mahanim. But he came down to meet me at the Jordan, and I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death um, with the sword. And so remember that after David's army defeated Absalom's army and David came back to Jerusalem, he, Shimei met him and asked for forgiveness, and David gave it to him. Uh, he was the first one to meet him, I think, on the other side of the Jordan when he was coming back to uh, back to Judah, and because uh, he knew the behavior of monarchs at that time, you'd get rid of a guy who did this to you. But David forgave him, um, and 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 so now he says to Solomon in verse nine: Therefore, do not hold him guiltless, for you are a wise man and know that what you and you know what you ought to do to him, but bring his gray hair down to the grave with blood. Okay, so I'm going to make a departure here. Departure from what? From about 95% of the commentators. Most of the commentators will say, well, what was going on here was David knew that Shimei would be up to no good eventually, and he would be a threat to Solomon, and therefore... Um, Solomon, he told Solomon to kill him. What I think happened here is that David's body's aching, his kidneys have, his, has failed, he's not doing well, and, and uh, this is not a shining moment of David. It's not what Jesus did, right? <laughs> Jesus didn't say, Father, forgive them, uh, for they do not know what they do. And then right before he breathed his last you know, I changed my mind, Father. Kill them all with a lightning bolt. That's not what, what, what Jesus is. And that's why Jesus is uh, not only was the, uh, David was merely a foreshadowing of Jesus. Jesus was infinitely better than who David was. I think this is a bad moment um, of David's. Uh, I, I think the story of Shimei, Shimei uh, has blessed people for, for now thousands of years. 
And uh, you got to sympathize with the guy. I know what it's like to have a body that has, you know, it starts falling apart. There's an ache here and there's an ache there. And there's, and this part of me is, 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 is going bad. And that part of me is going bad. And, and, and so the apostle Paul says our body is perishing, but it's not going to be nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. And so, um, that's my personal feeling that this is just not a David shining moment. You know, it, 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 it's entirely possible that it's both that it's, 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 he's not doing real well here, but there is some wisdom. There is this guy Shimei and he was so brash in the way that he was speaking to, to the King, King David throwing rocks at him that uh, he might do the same, might, might, it might become a problem to, to Solomon. Obviously, it's it's nothing to, to get into serious arguments about. Um, but uh, let's let's move on. In in verse ten, he dies. So David rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. So that's that. There's just like one sentence about David's death. That's it. Um, there's not doesn't really say anything about the funeral or anything like that, people mourning, none of that. Um, it just says he rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. Remember, that's kind of a part of Jerusalem. The city of David's a part of Jerusalem. Verse 11. Verse 11 says, the period that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and in Jerusalem he reigned 33 years. Then Solomon sat on the throne of his father, David, and his kingdom was firmly established. So, but here we're going to have another uprising. Verse 13. Now, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. And so she said, do you come peaceably? And he, Adonijah said, yes, peaceably. Moreover, he said, I have something to say to you. And she said, say it. Then he said, you know that the kingdom was mine and all Israel had set their expectations on me. Remember Adonijah uh, in the previous chapter, first Kings one, which we were in last week had a brief rebellion that was put down. He um, decided he wanted to be king. And uh, that whole thing was squelched. So now he's in talking to Solomon's mother. And again, he's Bathsheba and he's saying, you know, the kingdom was mine and all Israel had their expectations on me that I shouldn't reign. However, the kingdom had been, has been turned over and has become my brothers for it was from the Lord. So he seems to recognize here that it was from the Lord that Solomon was king, although his behavior uh, is going to get really bizarre. Verse 16. Now, I ask one petition of you. Do not deny me. You know, when someone says that to you, you probably shouldn't just blurt out yes, but that's what she does. <laughs> and, and, and actually, I, I, I take that back. She just, she's going to say, Bathsheba's going to say that to her son. Don't deny me, Solomon. But what she says, she doesn't say yes. She just says, say it. 
So that's wise. That's what you do, Calvary Chapel. You respond like that. Say it when someone is approaching you like that. Then he said, verse 17, Please speak to King Solomon, for he will not refuse you, that he may give me Abishag, the Shumamite, as a wife. Now, you guys remember who Abishag, the Shumamite, was. That was the woman who had been chosen to take care of David in his last months, maybe his last year, uh, up to a year, something like that where his body, his, he had, we, it surmised that he had kidney failure. He could not get warm. No amount of blankets got him warm. So they wanted a human being to help him. So this woman, Abishag the Shumamite, was, was chosen. Uh, they had never had sexual intercourse. That is David and her. She was there just to make him warm. And he says, he comes in and says, hey, you know, I like her as a wife. I don't know what Bathsheba was thinking. She says, very well, I will speak to you for the king. I have no idea what she was thinking. Verse 19, Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed down to her and sat down and sat down on his throne in a throne set for the king's mother. So she sat, she sat at the king's right hand. So you see a, a great respect for, for mom there. By the way, it's the only one of the Ten Commandments that there's a, an attach, attached to it is a, uh, is a blessing. <laughs> it's a blessing to, uh, uh, it's certainly a, a blessing uh, to obey all the Ten Commandments, but it's only honor your father and mother that it, it, it continues with a blessing that all may go well with you in the, to the land. And so it's so a warning to all to make sure you honor your father and mother. And, and it says he bowed down when she came in. Then she said to him, verse 20, I desire one small petition of you. Do not refuse me. And so the king does what uh, he should have done what, Bathsheba did with Adonijah, but no, he says, yes, it says, and the king said to her, ask it, my mother, for I will not refuse you. Verse 21. So she said, let Abishag, the Shunammite, be given to Adonijah, your brother, as a wife. And King Solomon answered and said to his mother, now, why do you ask Abishag, the Shunammite, for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my older brother, for him and for Abiathar the priest and for uh, Joab the, the, the son of Zariah. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord saying, may God do so to me and more also if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as the Lord command, now therefore, as the Lord lives, who has confirmed me and set me on the throne of David, my father, and who has established a house for me, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death today. So King Solomon sent uh, by the hand of Ben. So King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he struck him down and he died. And so what's going on there? Well, I think even to someone not used to ancient customs would figure out if you have a woman who is 
had been sleeping with his father, the king, notwithstanding there was no sexual intercourse. And this guy, Adonijah, gets him as a wife. There are going to be those in the kingdom going, hmm, he's got the king's uh, wife, yeah, concubine wife. Uh, now, as his wife, maybe he's the rightful king. After all, he is older than Solomon. Now, that's what Bathsheba should have been thinking when he asked for this request. But that appears to be exactly, appears to be, we don't know for sure, exactly what was in the heart of Adonijah. Uh, what, is, what does he do? What does King Solomon do? He has him struck down to death. Might it be that he remembered his dad's charge to him in verse uh, uh, in verse two, be strong and prove yourself a man. Because something like this is not something that Ishbosheth, Saul's remaining son, would ever have done. He was scared of people. He was plagued by the fear of man. And so uh, notwithstanding that Adonijah had apparently a following for a time, uh, including Joab and other powerful people, Solomon says, this, if this guy remains, he's going to continually be a problem. He has him put to death. He, he, he's essentially doing the very thing that, that his father David told him to do. He's proving himself a man. But then it continues in verse 26. And to Abiathar the priest, the king said. Now remember, Abiathar the priest had followed Adonijah in the rebellion. So had Joab. So Solomon anticipating that, wait a second, things are not right. They're still, they're still sort of rumbling beneath the surface with this whole Adonijah rebellion. I'm going to take care of this now. He turns next to Abiathar, who had, who had also supported Adonijah. He said, and to Abiathar the priest, the king said, go to Anathoth, to your own fields, for you are deserving of death, but I will not put you to death at this time because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David, and because um, you were afflicted every time my father was afflicted. So Solomon removed Abiathar uh, from being priest to the Lord that he might fulfill the word of the Lord, which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. So re remember a hundred years earlier uh, with Eli at Shiloh, where the, uh, the tabernacle was, because Eli, this is a hundred years earlier, before there was any king, before Saul, before everyone, uh, that, that uh, Eli had not disciplined his sons who were having sex, his sons who were also priests, they were having sex with women who were showing up uh, to the to God's tabernacle uh, to have to make offerings instead of offerings they were having sex with the son of the high priest they were stealing the offerings from the people as they made it exceedingly wicked and God told the the young boy Samuel the young prophet Samuel uh, he said go tell Eli I'm going to cut off the priesthood forever well it takes a hundred years to happen but it happens because Abiathar was the direct descendant and he is now cut off. You know, this guy, Abiathar, is, a, is an enigma to me because I, for the life of me, I don't know why he followed Adonijah because 
even when Absalom, David's son, rebelled, Abiathar followed David. He still was loyal to David. So I don't, and, and then David defeated Absalom. David was, came back in, was installed as third. What is, what got into his mind? I do not know. But Calvary Chapel, I know most of you are uh, younger than, than I. A few of you are older. Please finish well. Here's a guy, Abiathar. Solomon refuses to put him to death because he says right here, because every time my father David was afflicted, so were you. In other words, you were with my father in great battles. And, and so I'm not going to put you to death, but I'm going to exile you in your home and you better not leave. So Calvary Chapel, again, yet another reminder, please finish well. And what a shame here, someone who was afflicted. So most of their life and to their final years, they, they remain faithful to the Lord, were willing to be afflicted, persecuted uh, for the Lord. All of a sudden, at the very end, they depart from the Lord. No, don't do that, Calvary Chapel. Uh, serve the Lord until you die. And um, there's many afflictions. What did David say? Rather, what did the Apostle Paul say in the book of Acts? When he went around to strengthen and disciple the churches that he had started, do you remember what he said? He said, it is through many tribulations that you enter the kingdom of God. Meaning, before you get and go to be with Jesus, you're going to have many tribulations. I love that verse. It is through many tribulations that you enter the kingdom of God. And that's, it says that's how he encouraged them. Can you imagine someone encouraging you like that? I have some encouraging words to tell you. There's, you're going to be in lots of trials and afflictions uh, before you meet Jesus. Well, uh, be encouraged uh, because God will be with you every step of the way. But Abiathar takes this turn late in his life, really late in his life, a tremendous tragedy there. Um, it's a sermon in and of itself. Verse 28, next we come to Joab. So news came to Joab, verse 28, for Joab had defected to Adonijah, though he had not defected to Absalom. So Joab fled to the tabernacle of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar. What's going on there? Well, I believe it's in the law of Moses, where the, you know, where the altar is, where they burned, uh, burn offerings, sin offerings. They would put the lambs on the offering and, uh, and the burn offerings, they would just burn them. Uh, they would consume them completely. Well, before doing so, they were tied. So the, 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 remember the person who offered the burn offering, put his hand on the, uh, on the head of the animal being offered with the priest, slit the, the, the throat uh, of the um, of the animal, blood came out. The blood represented was supposed to represent the people are looking uh, who were offering the offering. This is my sin has caused this blood. It was a, a recognition of their sin, but it was also a foreshadowing of the death of Jesus Christ. And so the, they would put this dead lamb who had already died on the altar, but they would tie it on the horns of the, on the four corners of the altar, they would tie it there. Now, under the law of Moses, if you, uh, I believe if you unintentionally killed someone and you were like, oh no, everyone's going to think that I killed this person. You know, I don't know, you're hammering something and the head of the hammer went out and killed the person in back of you. 
and everyone's going to think, you know, you killed them. You could go and grab a hold the horns of the, the altar and they wouldn't kill you until a, uh, there would be justice. Uh, there would be some kind of tribunals, tribunal, some kind of due process, which uh, would demonstrate the innocence of the person. So Joab goes there um, and he takes hold of the horns of the altar. The only problem is what? He's blatantly guilty. He, he's it's guilty and he knows he's guilty. That's why he's, he went there not because of his innocence. He went there because he's guilty. Verse 29, and King Solomon was told, Joab has fled to the tabernacle of the Lord. There he is by the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, Go strike him down. So right there, even though he's grabbing the horns of the altar, strike him down right there. So Benaiah went to the tabernacle of the Lord and said to him, said to Joab, thus says the king, come out. Now, Benaiah was a, I believe he was a priest. You could be a priest and also a, a Levite. You could, and you could also be a warrior too. Although that was... Uh, not typical where they was a priest, a general uh, or a commander, but that was the case, I believe, with Benaiah. And so he's a priest and he's like, whoa, I don't want to kill this guy. He's, he's, he's grabbing, he's in, the, he's in the tabernacle now. He's in the courts of the tabernacle, uh, grabbing a hold of the God's altar. And so he actually does, Solomon didn't tell him to, Solomon did not tell Benaiah, Hey, tell him to get out of there, then kill him. Solomon said, no, go right in there and kill him, right in the horn. That's what he told him to do. Um, and Joab said, middle of verse 30, no, but I will die here. And Benaiah brought word back to the king saying, thus said Joab. And he, thus he answered me. This is what he said. The king said to him, do as he said, strike him down and bury him. That you may take away from me and from the house of my father, the innocent blood which Joab uh, shed. So the Lord will return his blood on his head because he struck down two men more righteous and better than he and killed them with his the sword. Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of the army of Israel, and Amasa, the son of Jether, the commander of the army of Judah, though my father did not know it. Their blood shall therefore be... Uh, return upon the head of Joab and upon the head of his descendants forever. But, but upon David and his descendants, upon his house and his throne, there shall be peace forever from the Lord. So Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, went up and struck him and killed him. And he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. So, you know, I, I think with this particular one, uh, the, the law of Moses, again, was not contemplating someone who everyone knew was guilty. Uh, without a doubt, everyone knew that Joab had, uh, had, uh, had supported Adonijah. Uh, you couldn't go grab the altar, the horns of the altar in that situation. And so he is he's put to death there. Verse 35, the king put Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, in his place over the army. 
and the king put Zadok the priest in place of Abiathar. Verse 36, now we're going to find out what happens to Shimei. Then the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, build yourself a house in Jerusalem and dwell there and do not go out from there anywhere for it shall be on the day you go out and cross the book Kidron know for certain you shall surely die your blood shall be on your head so stay in Jerusalem if you dare leave Jerusalem you will be put to death that's what he told Shimei and Shimei said to the king the saying is good as my lord the king has said so your servant will will do so Shimei dwelt in Jerusalem many days. Now it happened at the end of three years that two slaves of Shimei ran away to Achish, that was in the land of the Philistines, the son of Makkah, king of Gath, and they told Shimei saying, look, your slaves are in Gath. So Shimei arose, saddled his donkey, and went to Achish at Gath to seek his slaves. And Shimei went and brought his slaves from Gath. And Solomon was told, that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had come back. Then the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Did I not make you swear by the Lord and warn you? Know for certain that on the day that you cross the brook, that the day that you go out and travel anywhere, you shall surely die. And you said to me, the word I have heard is good. Why then have you not kept the oath of the Lord and the commandment that I gave you? The king said, moreover, to Shimei, you know, as your heart acknowledges all the wickedness that you did to my father, David, therefore, the Lord will return the wickedness on your own head. But the king, but king Solomon shall be blessed and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. So the king commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he went out and struck him down and he died. Thus, the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon.